0: Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I hope you're doing well. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanna share with you that I have created a free guide that I think will be helpful for a lot of you. In the most recent program that I took where I got certified as an integrative change worker and life coach, we learned an absolute ton of tips and tricks to not only curb anxiety, but to even stop it in that moment completely. This guide has some of the tried and true hacks that have personally helped me when I needed it most. And while you all probably know how much I love meditation, that's not even one of the ones I included. There's almost 20 ideas in there for you to try. So grab it for free in this episode's show notes or in my Instagram link in bio. So let's get to today's guest. Mike James is a certified life coach who helps people see the bigger picture of life. He's passionate about mental and emotional health and suicide awareness. He's great at telling stories, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Some of what we talk about today is how to say no and set boundaries even when it's uncomfortable, the difference between loneliness and being alone, and how to have a balance between being by yourself and being with others, as well as how fulfilling it can be to get to know who people are under the surface. Without further ado, let's welcome Mike to the show. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you and dive into all of the things today. But before I do, the way I like to start my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red, and I will choose a random question from a blue book or a red book, depending on whichever one you choose.
1: That's fun. I've never been asked this before. Uh, hands down blue. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Are you more afraid of trying or failing? Mm. Trying. Do you want to say more about that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's about it. Oh, nope. Nope. I'd like to move on. No. Um, that's a great question. I feel like I've, I'm really good at failing. I'm really good at, doing all the wrong things first for the longest time. And that knowing that there's this life in front of me, that's just beautiful and full of every, really everything I've always wanted and asked for and what I'm built to do. I spent years sabotaging that because I'm used to struggle more than I'm used to actually being happy and getting the things I want. So yeah, failing, like I, I could do that all the time. Like I'm used to that kind of slow misery versus the the trying piece, which thankfully has changed. But yeah, that's a great question.
0: Yeah. And the interesting thing is, you know, I've really embraced the idea that there is no such thing as failure because all failure, quote unquote, is just feedback. And, you know, you just keep trying to do the things and you're going to get clarity based off of whatever it is that happens because of what you're doing.
1: It's so true that that failure is just a redirection or a sign to like, pivot the other way or pivot. It's not, you know, failure is like, you know, if you lay down and die, that's a different story, but that's not happened. We're here today. And, but yeah, I I totally agree. It's a, it's just a different way forward.
0: Yeah. And I I love what you said. Like if, if, you know, we're not dying, which sometimes it feels like if you're, if you're going to try the thing, it does feel like you're going to die if it doesn't work out, but that has not happened yet. So I think we're on a good track record.
1: <laughs> you know, what's interesting too, is like a part of us probably does die. The part that was used to clinging on to stuff before or their identity of who they were before me. I'll, I don't mean to speak about they, like you and I are the experts and they're out there. Like I, you know, clinging onto identities and the relationships that you are in that you're familiar with. So a part of you does kind of die when you try new things and either succeed or fail, uh, because you're changing and morphing into something else.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. So my next question is, I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about what was Mike like as a kid, what was your personality like, and what did you do for fun?
1: Mm, Uh, as a kid, I was very chatty. I loved to, uh, talk to all the neighborhood moms. My mom in the eighties, they would get together for coffee cake. I don't even know what that is. And they would, and I'd be sitting there right in the middle of them just talking, talking, talking. And I had a, a pretty big vocabulary. And when I say that, I'm not great at, you know, fixing things around the house, or I definitely don't know anything about an engine in a car, or probably can't change my tire, but language and vocabulary. I'm it's kind of come naturally to me and how I was built. But as a kid, I loved animals. I would spend hours upon hours, just walking around ponds, looking for frogs and um, turtles and tadpoles and, and then um, singing songs in my head as I was doing. So just perfectly content on my own. And it was also a little mischievous. Like I, I remember feeling that adults, there were things that weren't being said and this whole, you know, like we're all taught to, you know, be polite or you can't say this or can't do this. I loved reactions. So I would do things, whether it was, you know, in school, walking up and down the aisle when we're doing an art project and um, stepping on a glue bottle just to see the teacher like, why is there glue all over the floor? I just, I wasn't trying to harm anything. I just wanted to, like, I was fascinated by the reaction or uh, hiding under a bed one day, one uh, weekend at the cabin when all my, my mom's brothers and sisters were up there, my uncles and aunts and watching them scurry around looking for me in panic, thinking that I disappeared in the woods. And again, not to harm anything, just to like, I want to see, I want something to happen. So a little bit mischievous, but pretty happy kid overall.
0: I loved it. That's how you were like, not trying to cause harm, just wanting the reaction. And I can just picture somebody stepping on a glue bottle in art class.
1: Up and down that aisle. I went over and over again. (laughs) Sorry, Mrs. Oldsboe.
0: Also, you're missing out on coffee cake. It's so good. So I think really what coffee cake is, is it's just a cake that you drink while you or that you eat while you drink coffee. But my mom always used to make this one and it doesn't have there's not actually any coffee in the cake. It's just something you eat while you're drinking coffee. But it was it's like this cinnamon i don't know it's like a white cake is the base but then there's like cinnamon in it and it's it's very tasty so you should try some <laughs> so
1: that actually sounds good knowing that there's not coffee in it cuz i know like a tiramisu i'm like i would like to if i'm going to have alcohol drink the alcohol and eat the cake i don't want them having a baby together and then it's on my plate like so good to know there's no coffee in that
0: <laughs> so do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up when you were a kid uh, i did i wanted
1: to be michael jackson I, these celebrities in the eighties were so magical to me. Madonna, Michael Jackson, Prince a little bit, even though I thought he was kind of creepy the way he stared at the camera, but I admired that they, and maybe that's, I, I think I was looking for a lot of attention as a kid, which we can get into if you want. And they seemed to get it and they seemed like bigger than life on TV, but I, yeah, I would, you know, my mom would get mad because in our class pictures, I wouldn't take a certain jacket off. Cause I thought I looked like Michael Jackson. She's like, you didn't take that damn jacket off for this picture. And I wouldn't. And, but yeah, I really wanted to be Michael Jackson. He was, he was my idol.
0: I to this day, and I know he's long gone. And I can't say I agree with all of his personal life, but his music to this day, like I it makes me so happy. He was so talented.
1: Very, very. And yeah. come on, a sequin glove, just one. That's just one. <laughs> yeah. I wanna. That's a cool idea. I'm like, do I wear a sequin band-aid? Like, how do I? what do I do now?
0: (laughs) So now you are a certified life coach. So I would love to hear a little bit about your journey from wanting to be Michael Jackson to who you are today.
1: Yeah. Obviously, you know, stories are, could be long or could be short. So as I throw stuff out there, feel free to ask anything. I recently wrote my first book, which is came out of nowhere and crazy to me, but it's called ignored. It's a childhood uh, neglect addiction, rage, and profound love. And how I became a coach is I had a father that was just very hands and hearts off, like didn't really pay attention to his kids. And I used to sneak out of the house, probably beginning at about age, somewhere between eight and 10, all the way until about age 15, just to look in neighbor's windows and not to be, you know, creepy or looking for sexual. So, I mean, I was eight years old, but I would feel whatever, when people knew that they weren't being seen, I thought was so interesting to me. Again, the reactions, or in this case, the, I liked the reactions when I was around people, but when I wasn't, I wanted to see what they were doing when they didn't know they were being watched. And I would see lonely people sitting there, you know, staring off into the wall. And I remember seeing a guy that would just, was working out in his basement and just had the most angry face on. And I remember just, I could feel their emotion, what they were doing you know, and I was a little kid, so I didn't understand it, but it made me feel more connected than actually being around people. So I, I love the hidden behaviors. And then I started developing some of my own. I was a very, very scared uh, teenager when I started to realize I was gay, am gay, not was, but it doesn't go away. Started, you know, doing drugs and, and drinking a lot. And there were years to, it was to a dangerous point, but when I'd show up at work or show up at school, when I was going to college, I put on the brightest, cheeriest face because I'd be around people, and I genuinely like that. So I was miserable alone, and then I used the drugs and alcohol and my social time on the weekends. So I had all these kind of hidden behaviors, and it wasn't until probably 2007 I started hearing the the word life coach. And in 2009, I started looking at my friends who, you know, we'd go out to LA together and party and hang out with celebrities and things like that, which felt very cool and important at the time. On one kind of deadly near death weekend for me, I started looking at my friends like, what am I doing? What am I doing? So those friends, I started telling them, you know, start calling me if you want to do stuff other than partying or go to the bar. And that phone slowly stopped ringing, but you create that space, a new version of friends show up based on where you're at in life. And I met with a life coach in 2010, who was, or 2009, who had told me, she's like, you have to do this. Just telling her like what I I always felt like I could be someone's professional friend. I'm like, I know no one pays you to be a friend, but I, I'm i so fascinated by people. And then, yeah, learning the skills and the um, probably took about two three years for me to feel really comfortable to approach anybody or any situation. But I worked hard and, yeah, I became certified in 2011.
0: That is such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. I think that so many people can relate to whether they're gay or not, like being in a place in their lives where they don't feel like they can show up as their authentic selves. So do you have any tips or guidance for people who are in this place, kind of where you were of this is who I am behind closed doors, but this is who I am when I'm out in the world?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to sound simple like most things because anything we try will take time to, to really develop a habit and make it comfortable. But I actually wrote a story about this very thing that in this world, it seems like we're taught to say yes to everything yes to giving donations and yes to plans and yes to the family structure that's in front of you. And because they're family, we have to say yes to going to holidays and things like that. It's interesting when you look at it like and just start asking yourself, it doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter how people will perceive it. Don't think about the outcome. Do you want to do this thing? And if the answer is no, that's the, the beginning of self-love and, and trust that, that no, something's trying to take care of you because that's for you and every everybody else just has to kind of get over it and, and figure it out. Or, you know, and it, I don't mean to make it sound so easy and flippant, like there might be conversations of like I've had with my own family, like here's why I don't, I haven't been calling you recently. If we're going to talk about other people or talk about what people are doing, I I've asked you to not call me about those things, you continue to do so. So that's why I haven't called. It's it's saying no to the things that don't work. And again, that two-letter word is not easy, but it's a start of really getting into your own life and figuring out because with your nose, a yes comes from somewhere else, the opposite of it.
0: Absolutely. And you know I always say, and I didn't invent this saying, I don't even know where it came from, but no is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so important to learn to be able to have those boundaries, which I know, again, sounds easy, right? And it's like the hardest thing to do because people know you for who you used to be and they have expectations of who you're going to be in the future. And when you start to acknowledge that you are changing and you do have this new sense of self-worth and self-love. And so that you start to hold yourself in a place of, no, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel like who I am anymore. It's really hard for people to accept that, which makes it hard for you to stand in your truth.
1: Yeah. We were kind of talking about how some of forms of our identity can die off. We are talking about you didn't die, but maybe parts of us do. And it's hard. It's hard when, for some reason, us humans have these little boxes and shelves in our brain that we put people in and like, this person's always here. And when I do this, this is what happens. And when it starts to shift for other people, because you're changing, it could be uncomfortable for you. I remember for years, I'm like, am I going to be just lonely? And I was heartbroken. Like my family's not as perfect as I thought they were. Or, you know, these people I loved so much, like it feels like it's going away, but but I'm, I feel more of myself and it's, it can be heartbreaking. And there's a little bit of grieving in that process, but the things that are waiting, you know, like we with that, no, comes a yes of something else. And it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. And I think, can we just talk about the loneliness for a little bit? Because I think that so many people experience this in different parts of their life at different times, depending on what they're going through. And I know you're a big advocate for suicide awareness, and I would love to just talk about mental health a little bit, because when you're in that really dark place, how do you even get to the next minute, let alone the next day or the next week?
1: Again, everything we talk about, there's processes to them. So if, if I make them sound simple, they're not. But there's a certain trust that comes with any type of healing or any type of change and simply trusting it because it's actually happening. You know, And um, when I think of mental illness, you know, I, right or wrong, and just the clients I've worked with, Um, people I love and care for going through things. A lot of it is just kind of being stuck from the, from the neck up and really finding somebody that would hold you accountable to your emotions. And you know, one skill that I learned in my coaching that when I learned this, it was such a huge moment for me because I had been making my friends cry for years. And some of my other friends would get mad. Like, why are you playing this sad song when they just broke up with somebody? I'm like, because they're finally feeling it instead of talking about it and really like letting whether it's anger, grief, frustration, sadness, uh sometimes it's literally anxiety and total fear, letting that come all the way through. You know, like anything if you cut something in half, there's two pieces but they're smaller. Keep cutting it in half by going through it over and over again eventually it turns to dust and it'll eventually be gone. And we always will have sad things happen or hard things that happen, but you'll going through these things, you know, that, Hey, I've done something like this before it turned out. Okay. And, you know, not easy, of course, because in our culture, you know, as babies, like we cry when we need something and it's responded to, then you get to be four or five years old, like, stop, your crying. You're okay. And we start to get conditioned that these emotions and feelings, you know, you gotta be polite. You don't say this around certain people and you become this kind of robot and i think our our jobs as adult humans is to not to learn more just to take off everything that doesn't work for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, i think the thing that i try to get across to people is when you are in a dark place, when you are feeling lonely, when you're not sure you can go on is to find someone, anyone I don't care if you are the loneliest person in the world, you can find somebody to talk to. And now they have so many great resources for, you know, toll free numbers. If you're feeling like you're suicidal or something like that, but we are creatures of community and we need people to talk to. And so by getting other perspectives, sometimes that's really all you need is to talk to that one person and they can completely turn your thoughts on their head and allow you to feel what you want to actually feel.
1: Yeah, it's so true and everything's such a strange balance too Heather that you know if some of us who are running away from loneliness need to actually be lonely for a while. Because essentially when like your last name is love and that's what drew me to want to talk to you because that's all all this stuff is in my tiny little opinion. It's all love the universe trying to grow itself and expand more by loving itself. And we are just little organs in its body that when we continue to grow and expand it, it grows at and, and changes for the better. And sometimes it's, it's like, if like, I ran away from loneliness for a long time and then I had to take a long chunk of time to actually be lonely until I was not anymore until I loved my own company and appreciated my own company. But like you said, there's a balance, you know, we are community creatures we are supposed to be in doing everything in groups and things like that, that if anybody's listening to this that is struggling with, you know, even when they're lonely around people, just I encourage them to bring up the things that maybe are uncomfortable versus just being around people and responding to what what's going on. Like, I'm hurt. I'm sad. I've been struggling, you know, and especially after the pandemic, I think there's a lot of that too.
0: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think there's a, distinction between feeling lonely and being comfortable being alone, right? You know, because like feeling lonely can almost feel like this overwhelming sense of despair, right? Like nobody's here for me. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. Versus what you're talking about that I love so much is getting comfortable being alone, because I kind of went through that too, as I have started to shift my life. I worked in corporate for 20 years and I drank and I went to the bar and all these things. And for the last couple of years, you know, I no longer work in corporate. I'm a life coach. I've been sober for a year and a half. So my entire world has shifted, which has made it interesting for me to sit back and go, okay, these people have fallen away from my life is that necessarily a bad thing, you know.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting that we we assume that, you know, and I have no judgment about this. I see friends from high school that we've been friends for 30 years. Two things happen for me. Number one, I'm like, that's a that's a long time and good for you. And number two, I think and this is, you know, groups of people I used to hang out with like am I like there's so many people out there and we just life is literally passing through and with each other. And, you know, I've got, I have friends that I've been with for over 20 years as well. And there's a lot of like loving what's in front of you enough to realize it's temporary and, you know, to let it go. And if it stays, it stays. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But just knowing that it's, it's all changing and shifting all the time. That's just nature in general. Um, humans, we like to stand apart. Like we're the top of the food chain. We control the planet. Like it's not really turning out that way and <laughs> working that way.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said, too, about being alone, because I think that so many people use being with others as a way to almost numb out and avoid their own issues. Same with drinking drugs, all of it. Right. But people don't always think of constantly needing to be around others as one of those things on the same level as drinking or doing drugs. But it really can be.
1: That's so huge, Heather. Someone in my life very close to me right now is going through that exact thing post pandemic. And, you know, when everybody was separated and taken away from each other anyway, and now they're realizing they're going, they're really, really struggling emotionally and mentally. And it's true. Other people could be a drug. Like you fill yourself up on other people. And that used to be a version of myself as well. I was, I was more extroverted back in the day. Cause I would just fill up on other people. Cause I never knew how to fill up on myself. I wasn't taught how to, and now it's, it's, I was just telling a group of people in this seminar I was in, I was like, I've worked so hard to be boring. Like I don't hang out with people much anymore. Like I can sit there and look at birds and like, Oh, I wonder what that is. And look it up in an app while I'm reading a book and petting my dog. I'm like, and I couldn't be happier than the guy that was like hanging out at a club and getting pictures with Paris Hilton. and you know doing drugs till four in the morning. It's just, I'm so glad that I stopped all the stuff I was doing to take the time to like, what are, who are you? you (laughs) Yeah. What do you think you're doing versus what you're actually doing? You know?
0: Yeah. I love that, that you, you tried really hard to become boring. And, you know, it just reminded me, I had a, a guy who was trying to get to know me and he's like, so what do you like to do? And I'm like, Eh, I like to study. I like to, you know, watch the birds. I like to meditate. Yeah. I like to journal, like all these things that are very independent and I don't need anybody else for. And he's like, but what else? And I'm like, Oh, I like to do Oracle cards and play with my crystals. You know, was just, <laughs> I never heard from him again after that, which is totally fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. you needed someone deeper anyway. No offense yeah. to that guy, but yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's so great.
0: So I would love to know a little bit about, you know, you went through this time in your life where you were numbing out and doing all of these things. What happened? What was the transformation? I know you said you had this moment of like, what am I doing? So when you had that moment, what did you start doing? You told me a little bit about what you stopped doing. What did you start doing to get to where you are today?
1: The biggest pivotal moment in my life was I had lost a job that I worked very hard to get that I I had all this, I put all this pressure on myself that before it was pressure to be a certain way and show a certain thing. Then it was pressure that I actually found was starting to find more of myself and then took that on with full force. And after that job went away, I, you know, laid on the couch for about a month crying, watching the wonder years, which is still my favorite show of all. So great. The soundtrack, the, Stories like, oh man, even something as simple as, you know, I never end up seeing my piano teacher again when he bikes by and hears the music coming from the recital that he skipped out on to hang out. I'm like, ah. And then the next month, I was just watching TV, just obsessed and consuming 9 11 footage over again. And I just finally asked myself, I'm like, what is your obsession with 9 11? And it was like, because that's something important that happened in the world and you've never done anything important. And I sat there, Heather, and I was like, what? And it, the, that all that message was repeated coming from somewhere else. And I remember asking like, why have I never done anything important? And the message was very clear because you've been too busy chasing your dad your whole life. And I fell to the floor, bawling, bawling, bawling. And what I did is I ran on my computer and wrote a three page letter to him to say, I'm writing to you not to tell you what you did or didn't do for my life and how it affected me. I am going to call these things out but I want to tell you, I need you to know who I am. You've never asked, you've never shown any interest. I'm doing this for me. It is not to criticize you. I, I'm, I need you to know who I am. So I told him the years of self-violence, whether it was through drugs and drinking and just attacking myself forever for not understanding why I couldn't find a great relationship or couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do with my life. And that was that was the moment where My healing really began because I went to the root cause of the person I learned the most from and the least from about who I am.
0: Mm, Did you actually send the letter?
1: I sure did. Yeah. And the scariest thing that I, it was an email and I got back a couple, like I think the next day, was like, I'm not sure where this is coming from. I've had to read this a couple of times to absorb it. I'm wondering if you can come over and talk to me. And I'm like, My dad doesn't talk or show emotion. So I'm, it was so scary to go there. And like, if I get emotional, I'm going to have to do all the talking. And, but I went there, probably talked for about an hour and a half. And he invited me up to our cabin, our family cabin the next weekend with he and his wife. And it was literally the most healing weekend I'd ever had walking through the woods with my dad. People ask me when I've told them this story. And again, I just wrote this book about this. So is your dad's relationship? Is it great? I'm like, it is. Like, so you guys talk more and hang out. I'm like, no, that's not who he is or who he ever was. And, but we understand each other. And I probably see him maybe twice a year. We don't text, we don't call, but when I see him, it's very comfortable. And it's, my dad is still my dad and I'm still me. Um, But the fact that we understand each other, that's a great relationship. So much so that if my siblings decide to complain about him or say anything, I'm like, no, 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 no. I did my work with dad, if you have anybody to tell the story to it's him or nobody else, but I can't hear it anymore.
0: Mm, I love that story so much. And I was just talking to someone else who she had a really rocky relationship with her father when she was young. And once she was older and he was ill, she started to find out more about why he was the way he was. And he uh, started telling her stories from when he was younger and things that made him who he was. And it made that understanding for her so much better. So again, it wasn't an excuse for how he treated her when she was young, but she came to a place of understanding and that just shifted everything in that relationship.
1: Yeah, because that's so beautiful because you're not. As little kids, we take it on like, what am I doing or not doing to to get this parent's love or not get this parent's love? And it could be excruciating work, but so is life of being a human being, you know? And I don't know, I, I, you know, when looking in windows and now my favorite books to read are memoirs because I, I, and the book I wrote is an actual memoir because I just was like, so I'm still focused on other people, not me. So time to write my story. But I... I'm just so I find the bravery and the vulnerability of people like this is the the crap that's happened to me, this is the truth of the garbage and the stuff I'm full of. I've carried shame around for a long, long time. I find it so beautiful because because that's that's the real person. It's you know not the Instagram photos we have, which I have too, not the Facebook things we put out there of here's the food I made. You know, no judgment against those things, but it's also there's the real stories that for me personally, that's really all I care about. And then I, like my, I tend to do things the backwards way. Like I want to know who you are. And then later on, like, yeah, what kind of food do you like? You know, I like I don't, <laughs> not on dates and things like that, you know, like tell me your deepest secret, you know, but I, I love to, I just want to know people and I want them to know me. Cause I think if we're here to connect and have these communities, that's the only place to start.
0: I agree with that so much. I have such a hard time with small talk and like, I want to get to like, but who are you and why are you that way?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for people like you and I, you know, no judgment again, like there has to be some of that, especially at, in a corporate environment, it's just so much more like if we're always just sitting on the, on the top, you never going to see what's underneath the water for just floating on the surface. And there's a lot under there and to all of us. And that's the, Those are the things that actually connect us versus, you know,
0: I like Buffalo Wild Wings too. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, their their street tacos are amazing, by the way, (laughs) if you've never had them,
1: (laughs) I haven't good to know. And, um,
0: maybe I'll have that tonight. Actually, they're a little spicy. So if you don't like spicy, don't have them. (laughs) I I do. Okay, good. You have been such a delight to talk to you. I love your energy. I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about where can they find you, where can they buy your book, and all of those things.
1: Yeah, great. yeah. first off, same thanks for having me, and this has been very enjoyable talking about the real stuff on Facebook, I'm at uh, Mike James stories. um, same thing with Instagram. And then uh, my website is uh, just mike dot com where, Um, The book won't be available for a little while. I just finished it and I'm hunting around for a publisher versus the self-publishing route. But I've got uh, these storytelling albums that are out there that you could sample a story. And they're just, they're kind of like little mini ear movies that usually have some sort of lesson in there. Some of the stories make you cry, some make you laugh, but uh, all the things I learned about myself and with clients as being a life coach, I turn them into like little stories for your headphones and they're really cinematic and things like that. But yeah, mikejamesnow.com.
0: Mm, I love that. Your, your movies. I've never heard of that. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're, di- they're different. That's what people keep telling me. Like, I've never heard anything like this, which is the, the fog of the marketing. Like, well, how do I, what do I do with that? You know what I mean? But it's been exciting.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. So I will make sure I link everything in the show notes for my listeners. Before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions so that my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And it doesn't mean you have to answer quickly. Just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Cool. All right. What is your favorite birthday or holiday memory? I would say for the holidays, I
1: think just uh, Christmas morning, waking up and seeing a very plump stocking, like that was the first thing that we'd get into versus the gifts and, um, the magic of being a kid, which shouldn't ever go away as an adult, but somehow does. But I, I remember just listening for footsteps of Santa on the roof and then falling asleep and seeing the cookies gone, but it's those Christmas mornings that felt so magical to me.
0: I agree. I love Christmas. And even now I have two girls and they're 11 and 15. So, you know, it, that magic could go away. But I really do my best to try to keep that magic alive. And we've come up with our own traditions. I am divorced, so I don't always have my kids Christmas morning. But when I do a Christmas Eve night, we all have, uh, we get Christmas, matching Christmas pajamas. And we watch a Christmas oh, cool. movie and have popcorn and all the things. And so we've started to make our own little traditions and keeping that magic alive. And I love what you said, like, I don't feel like as adults, we should ever lose that we do, but that's part of what I do is help people to remember who they were before the world told them who to be, you know, so bringing that magic back.
1: Yeah. And there's so much magic, like not the traditional kind of, like there's not a Santa that flies through the sky, but when you start hearing intuitive messages and taking you places of things you could never think of on your own, that's magic.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next question. What were you doing the last time that you lost track of time?
1: Yesterday, I'm reading this great book um, about this woman who survived incest from her dad. So it sounds like heavy, but again, a real story. And I look up, I'm like, oh my God, 45 minutes just flew by. So I was reading. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I love reading. And yeah, I have to limit myself because I'll get lost in a book and I'm very much into like the personal development books. And so like I have to set a timer <laughs> I'm like okay, that's enough for today. <laughs> yeah, yes, I understand. Next question, what is something you are excited about right now?
1: I'm excited about so I recently so 2 weeks ago was the last time I had an alcohol a drink with alcohol in it. I still have some drinks on on the weekends with friends and there's something about putting down that last distraction for me. Uh, I've got this little voice whispering me like, just put it all down. You don't have to do anything with the albums. It's already taken care of. anything with the book, it's already taken care of. just need to show you the way. So putting down that distraction, like I'm really I'm enlightened and curious to see just how clear I can get. So I'm excited about that and and ready. I've been working really hard for <laughs> six or seven years, and I just finished my fourth storytelling album where I'm like, uh, okay, time to like let it seeds planted water them, and then just let them grow and chill out. So that.
0: I love that message. I am a huge Gabby Bernstein fan. And I was just watching one of her old seminars that she did, oh my gosh, forever ago. She only had released one book and I think she's at like 10 or 12 now. So it was a long time ago, but she was talking about releasing the expectation, like having the desire, having a goal, putting it out into the universe and being like, this is what I want it to be. But I know that you, universe, know better than I do. And so I'm going to release that outcome. And it's just going to be whatever you think it should be.
1: I That's so great. That woman is on fire now, by the way. And every day when I do this breath work and then go right into a meditation, one of my things, one of my phrase that I say is like, there's a very specific divine purpose and reason for me being here that I know will show up in perfect divine timing. And I let go of my expectations of that. Just show them what it is and make it obvious because I'm very excitable. <laughs> like there's so many avenues. People are throwing stuff at you like, here's what you need to do for marketing. Do for this. But just like letting it, putting it out there, trusting it and watching
0: it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I resonate with that so much as a, I'll say I'm new, a new business owner, because I've only been at this for about a year and a half and I had worked for someone else my entire life. And so trying to learn all the things and do all the things and you're supposed to do this, no do it this way, no do it this way. And it's a little overwhelming. And so just trusting that whatever I'm supposed to know and do is going to show up for me. And it's kind of
1: another version of when your parents started telling you like, no, and act polite and do this. And you can't see this around those people. Then you get to school and other kids are doing stuff that your parents said not to do. And like, it's the same thing versus like, when you have so many options, you have none. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you have none, you have so many. And I'd rather sit with the none and wait for the obvious ones to shoot down at me. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. What does the world need more of?
1: Uh, listening less talking and and more listening or hearing, I should say.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think in general, people are so anxious for people to hear them that they don't stop long enough to hear others. And that's one thing that this podcast has actually taught me, and I am so grateful, is to Stop talking so much. I feel like I've talked a lot in this interview. Usually I don't talk this much, <laughs> but oh,
1: fun. Yeah.
0: But I do. I think listening and hearing people that's what everyone wants is to feel seen and heard. So that's yeah. So and even
1: listening for and hearing when someone is backing away from that and getting curious about that to listen for that. And I think that's why I love coaching is the whole like, even if it's on video or face to face, like, well, you just shrunk back. Like, what is that there? Like, I'm listening to your body. I'm li- like, and let's just, no judgment. Let's just talk about it, you know? And man, it's, we're all fascinating uh, in that we hide our actual things that are fascinating.
0: Right? Like yeah. we all try to be the same and that's so boring.
1: Oh, it's so boring. And that's the fascinating part. Like, so we hide the fascinating pieces to be a clone. Yeah. Thank you. I already did that. It didn't work. So now I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs>
0: All right. Last question. Yes. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Oh, hands down. Like that little voice that's been with you. Just always trust it. Always. And don't do all the wrong things first to prove that that voice is still there for you.
0: Such good advice. I love that so much. Talking to you has been so much fun. I love your energy. You have been such a bright spot in my day. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait for my listeners to get to know you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. You're great to talk to and yeah, spreading the love, the Heather love. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I really just loved this conversation. I could geek out all day talking to other coaches about ideas and concepts and It makes my heart so happy to be able to bounce ideas off of each other and talk about things that actually make a difference in people's lives. This is one of the best, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a side effect of getting into this business. I hope this episode resonated with you and you find some nuggets of wisdom that you'll take with you throughout your day today. Links to connect with Mike are in today's show notes. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star reading and review. We need people to have more conversations that matter. And by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts inside you'll find 25 journal props to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams if you're ready to dive in get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my instagram bio and i'll send it over come on in and see what everyone is talking about